joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blissful Living. I am Rochelle Lawson, the queen of feeling fabulous, your host. And today's show, I'm going to do a couple things that might be a little different for today's show. Um, I'm going to mention um, a company that later on in the show that um, I want to highly recommend to you with regards to helping you to live a blissful life. So that's the one little thing that I'm going to do different. And then the other thing is that I'm going to... um, I'm going to be telling you about next week's guest at the end of the show. So I want to kind of mix it up a little bit and do some things a little bit different to keep it interesting for you listeners. But right now, I want to jump into our fabulous guest that we have today. Her name is Carol Marley Klein, and she is the author of Streetwise Spirituality, 28 Days to Inner Fitness and Everyday Enlightenment. And what I really, really like about this is, for one, it goes with the theme of the show, but two, she's going to share with us some information that you may not even have thought about and how important that that information that you may have not even thought about that she's going to spark uh, within your mind um, can play an important role in how you have, um, how you experience things in your life. So let me tell you a little bit about Carol. When she was 13, um, her mother began to go to lectures at a metaphysical church, and Carol would just, you know, tag along. Um, By the time she was 17, she morphed into a fabulous teenager, like most of us have. And although she continued to listen to the lectures, She really did ignore what she was hearing. It's kind of like you're there, but you're not really absorbing the information. However, she collected 35 years worth of lectures, transcripts over time, which she stuffed away in a packing box and then forgot all about. Now, how many of us have done that with various things in our life? Now, the box traveled with her around the world. However, she couldn't throw it away, but she didn't open it either. Now, what happened, to fast forward a little bit, is Carol was sitting in her condo, and she decided that it was probably time to throw out that old box of lecture transcripts. She couldn't imagine why she still had it, which is, you know, something we all think about when we keep stuff around. And then she realized how different her life could have been if she had decided to live by the simple principles outlined in the transcripts. And so that has led her to spending time writing streetwise spirituality. And I could go on and talk more about that, but we really, really want to get to Carol because she has some very, very um enlightening information for us. So, Carol, I'd like to say welcome to the Blissful Living. Thank you, Rochelle. I'm so glad to be here with you and your listeners. We are glad to have you. And I really love the topic about streetwise spirituality. You know, we hear about being streetwise and we hear about being spiritual, but putting the two in the context together, I think is just fabulous. So, can you tell us um, what exactly do you mean by streetwise spirituality? Oh, I'd be delighted. Uh, when I was going to those lectures so many years ago, the thing that stood out was how practical everything was. When we would hear something talk about the importance of like patience and perseverance and adaptability. And you know, as, as your story told and I lived it, that stuff just went over my head and I wasn't interested. And then when I did open the box so many years later, I began to use those ideas in my life and say, okay, where is impatience keeping me from feeling connected to my innermost self and living my happiest life? 
<laughs> it was kind of obvious because I was just always thinking about getting someplace. I never thought about the journey. I just wanted to get there, get there, get there. And I realized I was losing so much between where I was and where I wanted to go. And the same was true for perseverance. I would jump around from one thing to another. And I think a lot of us do that so that we never get to the heart of something. We think, well, been there, done that, off to something else. And the adaptability part, I was the most rigid American, I think, in the country. It had to be my way or I wasn't going to have anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, oh, that kind of resonates with me. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> and it just didn't work in terms of making good connections with other people because either they did it my way or I wasn't having anything to do with them because, of course, my way was best. So that's why I focus so much on the practical side of spirituality and think of life as like earth school, that we're here and we have all these fabulous opportunities to open ourselves to how we can use things like, like different attitudes and different behaviors to make things better for ourselves instead of getting caught up in you know, the, the culture's idea that joy is in finding another boyfriend or joy is in finding yet another career. And I tried that a long, long time. And that's why it hit me so strongly when I got here to Portland and opened that box that I'd had it all backwards from the beginning. It was so, it, it made me sad, and yet it didn't, because I understand what it's like to have my feet in the mud walking through my lessons here on the planet. Right. Right. It's it's interesting because I um, can totally relate. I have a, you know, I have things that I've collected probably since I was a kid that I just, you know, can't throw away. I have always kept like some kind of diary or journal, you know, written things in it. And uh, occasionally, not very often, it seems to be only when I move that I stumble across this, you know, these things that I've kept and often wonder, why did I keep these or why am I keeping this, but still feel so compelled not to throw them away. And so, um, you know, who knows, there may there may be a book in some of that stuff that I have um, as well. But I like to, you know, with the journals or diaries, I like to go back and read, you know, where I was at a certain period of time when I wrote it and where I'm at now and, and kind of look at the journey I've taken from that point to this point. And it's very interesting, some of the insights that you get, you know, when you go back and look at this stuff. And I'm sure that's what happened to you when you, you know, opened, decided to open this box of all these transcripts and and was like, oh, wow, you know, it became like this new treasure chest for you. It was, indeed. And it was not only a treasure chest, but a kind of treasure map, if I used it right, because I was becoming aware that I had not really used those opportunities that had come before me for personal growth. I just kind of poo-pooed them and gone on my way. And it was like living a life at random. You start kind of nowhere and you wind up with nowhere. Right. And that's, that's really sad. You know, a lifetime is a precious, precious thing to use and to learn from and, and to find out what it's all about to get more connected with our innermost selves, you know, that, that deep soul self, and listen to that. You know, you mentioned something in the book where you talk a lot about Earth School and streetwise spirituality. What exactly is Earth School? Well, first of all, you need to understand that I believe completely in, in reincarnation. To me, we come back and back and back, and it can be a wonderful thing, but we don't we don't usually make giant leaps in a single lifetime because it's, it's really hard. We're living our lives and we're being distracted by one thing or another. So what we have is this fabulous opportunity to overcome things that have overcome us in the past. And some of those things might be maybe a tendency to be greedy, to be afraid there's not enough for me, so I've got to have more, got to have more, or a tendency to be jealous and possessive or some other of these, these darker emotions. And eventually you work more in the direction of learning from the things that come up and say, oh, well, if I'm, say, that it's, say it's a money thing and we're all, we're feeling, oh, we've got to have more money, got to have more money. Well, 
how about finding something else in life that is at least equally compelling and making connections with other, other people, making them deeper, making them more meaningful, having more meaningful talks with them, learning to listen from the heart. And eventually, when you move in the direction, because that's the love direction, that's the soul direction, and you start moving your thoughts and your life in that direction, then you're pulled away from the fear direction, which is the, the popular idea of what ego is. Um, I've got to have more. I, I, I'm not safe. I've got to take care of me uh, and all these other aspects of the ego. So it's a process. It's not a once and done. None of these things that are important are once and done. We want them to be. We want like five tips to get wherever and, and seven ways and seven days to lose 20 pounds. Right. <laughs> None of it works because the really important things, they do take time. They take patience and perseverance and adaptability. They just do. No way around it. That's, that's, that's you know, wonderful if info because I believe that um, sometimes we, over time, we've built up these layers and so then we want immediate satisfaction of removing all these layers that, you know, took literally a lifetime to build. And what you're saying is, is you've got to peel through the layers, layer by layer to get to the core and the actual journey is really about enjoying pulling or peeling away those layers. It's the actual experience in doing that that is the beauty of the journey. Is that what I'm hearing? That's part of it. But I can give a, a real-life example here that maybe goes a little bit further. Even. Yeah, please do. I'm getting audited by the IRS. <laughs> oh. And, Yes, and this has been, yes, an uh, kind of an experience, and I got so upset because I'm really, really careful with numbers. I I don't play games with the government. <laughs> I don't want anybody knocking on my door. <laughs> I don't blame you, especially those guys. They don't play yeah, around. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've been gathering all these documents and trying to organize things and making charts and, oh, just going through all this stuff to try to make, you know, make it really understandable to everybody and getting terribly, terribly upset and deeply, deeply angry that I even had to do this. And I became sick. And I got to thinking, you know, I have no choice. I'm going to have to go through this. And I can choose the, cho the choice that I do have is how I approach it. And I can continue to approach it with anger, with upset, and make myself sicker. Or I have two other choices. I can approach it with joy, or I can get kind of in a neutral place. Well, I can't find the joy at this point, but I can be neutral. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm just, this is something that has to be done. I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to get all torn up about it. So is it is it more about um, is it more about attitude and looking at what options are available to to a person, and then making the de conscious decision to you know go with the positive aspect of the option, even though the negative aspect is pulling on you much much more intently. Yes, that's a huge, huge part of it. But also I think it's part of, like, one of the important things is an intentional life. And what I do when I wake up in the morning, I decide, okay, what is going to be the abiding attitude that I will hold and what will be the abiding behavior that I will carry out here? And this morning I woke up and I thought, you know, I would like to be grateful. Whatever comes today, I want to hold that attitude. It's kind of like, I, one of those refrigerator magnets, gratitude, and you slap it up on the fridge. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you look at it when you open the fridge, but it doesn't really sink in, you know, as to why you slapped it up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if one can, I mean, if you have that problem, then you can put gratitude all over the house, like have little signs to yourself, whatever it takes. Because for some of us, we need many, many, many reminders. For others, maybe a little little note by the monitor will be enough. And then you just figure out what your activity for the day would be. So perhaps, like for me today, I, I'm really going to be exercising. I need to do that to get more connected with my body. And 
to me the body is a gift from the soul, so that's part of why I love exercising. But I, I gave it up for a couple of days because I was not feeling so good, so now it's back to that. But that's going to be the key for my day, doing some exercise and then being grateful for whatever comes in whatever form and trying to learn something from it. That's what our school is about, that no matter what happens, no matter you know, we stub our toes, we have um, an unhappy discussion with somebody, what can we learn? Because that's where the value, that's where the richness is, that's where the changes take place, and that's where we grow. I like that. I mean, I really, really like that because that puts into context a lot of things, and I'm sure the listeners out there can relate relate to this, what you're saying is really utilizing Earth School to allow you to grow and become a better person and not getting so wrapped up in the mechanics of it, but just allowing yourself to be in the flow and being aware of it. Yes. I used to have this really bad habit. I'm, you know, as a writer, I have lots of books, so I have them everywhere, and I used to just kind of leave them on the floor, stacked up, and I'd run around the house without slippers, and I'd crash my foot against against them to the point where my little toenail, it it's kind of cloven, you know, it's got two parts to it. It will never grow back to be normal again because I did that so many times. And but when I would do it, I would get really angry with the books. <laughs> <laughs> so it never occurred to me that if I put the books away when I was finished with them, that there'd be nothing for my, my toe to crush against. Oh, I love her school. Oh, my so gosh. Yes, I could. It's like the slapping, you know, the slap upside your head. And it's like, how yeah. many times am I going to have to bump my head or slap myself or hit my head on that countertop or whatever before I get it that maybe if I would close the countertop or maybe if I would do, you know, whatever it is that I keep, you know, doing that I should be doing, maybe things will change. You know, you would yes. think that the pain you feel would get would sink, but it's so funny because you said you were mad at the books, but it's like the books didn't put themselves there. You did. So in, in right. actuality, you should be mad at yourself, but you couldn't, you know, it's disconnected, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And it, nothing really, it's like this, things don't change. We want life to change. Things don't change. We change. And when we change, life changes. Oh, that is beautiful. Listeners out there, I hope you um, picked up on that one. I'm going to have Carol repeat that one more time for the listeners. Go ahead, Carol. I'm delighted to. Yes, one of the major things that I've discovered in living this wonderful life of mine is that things don't change. So that when I change, life changes. I can't just say, oh, I want things to change. I'm just kind of hoping, hoping. It's only when I take make the effort and focus on making those really important deep changes in myself that my life changes for the better. Wow, that's beautiful. I I, I just, I really like that. It's so simple. Um, it doesn't take rocket scientists to figure it out. None of this stuff does. It's so simple. Everything is simple. That's what makes it so amazing is that it's simple, and how come we don't get it? Because maybe it's so simple we think we need to make it complex. I don't know. We do. We do. (laughs) You know how it is. It's like having too many cooks in the kitchen. (laughs) Well, also, we get so distracted by what the culture tells us is important. And, you know, like when we're told that we should have this... We should have attitude against other people. Well, that's isolating. What we want is connection. That's what the heart most wants, and the heart is connected to the soul. And what we need to do is to open ourselves to that and be thinking not in terms of how can I feel better than somebody else or how can I feel worse. Some people are always kind of putting themselves down. The important thing is the soul connection helps you to feel equal to other people, to see them eyeball to eyeball and heart to heart, to connect in your imperfection, because that's a big, big aspect. There's, There's so much in our culture that says we should always be chasing perfection. Well, I'm sorry. It's very destructive to do that. And besides, none of us can be perfect. We can make progress, and that's a healthy thing. But chasing after perfection, it makes us hate ourselves because we're not perfect. It makes us look down on other people because they're not perfect. It makes us be dissatisfied with our lives because nothing is ever perfect. You know, if this is perfect, to, 
this is perfect to move into perfect um, because I know there are a lot of people that are out there and they've asked themselves why they feel compelled to do everything perfectly. And I'm one of those. I, you know, I'm a perfectionist. I, you know, what can I say? Um, explore or, or tell us, tell us why, you know, we feel compelled to do that. And how can we break that cycle? With perfectionism, that's part of what I call the shoulds. I should do everything perfectly. And it's, the perfectionism aspect of it is one of the largest ones. And it is very, very hard on us. Because you know yourself, I'm a recovering perfectionist, so you know, I'm, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. And what we do is set goals for ourselves and we say to ourselves, well, if I hit this goal, then, then it'll be, life will be perfect or whatever will be perfect. But if we get too close to it, we push the goal further out because if we can reach it, then that's not perfection, you know? It's, it's constantly making sure that we're off balance, we're feeling badly about what other people do, feel badly about what we do. We cannot take the time to celebrate and take joy in the things that we've accomplished because we say, okay, that's done, on to the next thing. And it keeps you running, 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 just like a little hamster wheel. It's, uh, it's so painful for people to live a perfectionist life. And I know when I was first thinking about this, I thought, well, okay, if it's not perfection, what else could I choose? And that was when I was thinking, um, maybe excellence. But excellence, too, is kind of it's amorphous. It's like perfection. How do you exactly know when you've got perfection? And so that's when I finally landed on the idea that progress is enough. If I can see that I've done, if I've made a little progress, that's worth celebrating. That's worth sitting down and having a glass of wine or, you know, just feeling good, going out and walking in the woods. It, and life, perfectionists don't give themselves time to enjoy life. They're too busy chasing after their projects to feel more maybe in touch with their identity. They're trying to find their identity in what they do. But our identity is not in what we do. It's who we are at oh. our root. And the job is to get in touch with that part of ourselves and then pass it forward, express it through our lives instead of constantly chasing like rabbits, which is what we do all the time. Right. It's 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 so true. You know, I have a mentor who I just absolutely adore, and I, I'm still a perfectionist, and I do believe that it really is. Um, you, you hit the, I want to say, as my grandmother used to say, the nail on the head with it. It really is about, you know, accomplishing a task so that you can move on to the next task. It, mm -hmm. I, I mean, truly, if I had to identify that with myself, that's what I would say. But um, I have this mentor. Her name is Lisa. And she's a fabulous, fabulous lady. And she has this model. And I didn't hear this. I mean, I've been in business for a long time and, and doing all kind of stuff. And, I, you know, I, I say my perfectionist started when I was a little kid. For some reason, something was instilled in me. And that's how I, you know, have lived my life. But my mentor, Lisa, you know, brought up this thing of, Good enough. It's good enough. It does not have to be perfect. If you're waiting for it to be perfect, you're never going to get out the door with it. Just go out the door with what you have, do whatever you need to do with it, and the feedback you get, you know, just know that what you have, what you do is good enough, and the feedback you get will help you to make it better. And so I was thinking, how can someone do that? How can they go out there and not have their stuff, you know, Perfect. Their I's dotted, their T's crossed, letters capitalized where they should be. How can you just go out there and just do it and, just, and it's okay to be good enough? And so I tried that. And it was fabulous because it relieved so much pressure internally from what I wanted to receive externally. So, um, you know, what you said is, is just very compelling that it's, it's okay, Rochelle, to drop the perfectionist um, coat of armor, so to speak, because you don't need to do that. And then that just solidifies what Lisa said with regards to it's good enough. You will never be perfect, 
but when you go out there with what you have, no matter what it is, what you're doing, you go out there with what you have, you can always approve upon it by the feedback you get. And just know that it's never going to be perfect, but you are in the, you, you are in a continual process of improving. And, um, and it, it will reach those that it's supposed to reach, just like what you're saying, or you'll help those that you're supposed to help. And so I, I think um, that's beautiful that you tackle that in streetwise spirituality. Now, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Carol. I just wanted to mention, I thought this might be of help to some of your listeners. When I traced the perfectionism back in my life, I realized that I started at a very early age, just like you did, at about the age of five when my parents divorced and my father abandoned me and the family. Mm -hmm. And so what I was trying to do was prove myself, prove that I was actually worth being loved, worthy of of having a, a spot on this planet. And that just grew and grew until it really took over my personality. And... It was great in school because all I ever did was make A's. <laughs> yeah. It was at quite a cost because I was this nerdy person. And there's nothing wrong with being nerdy. But I, I couldn't connect with other people. I was very, very, very much alone in my perfectionism and constantly looking down on everyone around me. So if that rings bells for anybody, take it with you. It's ringing lots of bells for me. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's funny. When you said that, it's like I believe mine started when I was really a little kid. And, I mean, probably like age five for some reason. Um, and it was about not feeling good enough. For whatever reason, I did not feel good enough for whoever. So if I did something perfect, then I would get the accolade and I would be good enough to whoever I was being compared to at the time. And that did carry on. And you're right. It was great for school because I did. I got straight A's and I was pretty social but I was also very shy and very, very insecure because I felt that I always had to be perfect, look perfect, do perfect and because I put myself in that box, I was insecure and not as confident as I probably could have been because I wasn't. I was living up to this this image of being perfect, right? Yes. And so um Wow, it, it it's just amazing how some of that stuff just sticks with you. You don't always know where it comes from, but it does have um, tremendous effects on your life. And I know you describe you describe um, the outer mind and the soul mind. What are they, and why should we really care about either of them? I use these as really simple tools to figure out what I'm doing at any moment. The outer mind is basically ego, and that's, again, the popular idea of ego, of something that that wants everything for itself. I'm number one. Everybody else is after me, and I've got to have mine. And just very, very on the lookout for taking care of just the self. And, of course, soul mind being more the connective element, the, the element where we we want to learn from our experiences. We want to connect with other people. We want to come from love. So that with the the outer mind, we're coming from fear and trying to take care of what we see immediately in front of us to make sure that we have the material needs. We want our, our pile of stuff and we want to recognition and we just we want everybody to look up to us. Whereas with the soul, none of that really matters because what matters is the love that we create between ourselves and within ourselves. And that's a really big part of it. Self-compassion is huge. So many of us say, well, I love other people, but I, I can't take, <laughs> I don't love me very much. But if we don't learn how to love ourselves, we really don't love other people. And there are two different kinds of love. One, well, probably many kinds, but the manipulative kind of love, trying to get other people to do for us what we want, that comes from ego. But the love that is compassionate, the love that is selfless, that gives of itself, that is kindness, that's that's all soul-related. So with, with self-compassion, we need to learn to to think of ourselves as our own best friends. Because if we can't do that, then we're tearing ourselves down. And we will never, ever be happy. So that's where you start. And then you let it flow out. As I said before, pay it forward. Learn to love yourself and then give that forth like a light. Wow. Yeah, that's... I. 
you know, another great, great point. And I think what we're really uh, talking about or, or digging deep down with our conversation today is really about the internal self um, and utilizing, you know, streetwise spirituality to really engage and become aligned with, um, aligned, I should say, with our internal self. Would you? Yes. Okay. I, I, yeah, because it's, you know, the our world is so chaotic and things are happening so fast and, you know, a lot of things um, that we don't like, of course, you know, a lot of negative things. But I think if some of those people out there would just get in tune with their internal self, um, which is hard sometimes for people because we all don't have fabulous backgrounds that we come from. But, you know, knowing that if you're coming from a loving spot, um, then maybe when you look at yourself or do an analysis of your internal self and you're coming from love, that might brighten or open things up. What, what would you say about that? Well, sometimes it helps to get even more specific about that. And one of the things that I sometimes do or ask people to do is to sit down and write down five core values that really resonate to them, the things that either they practice or they would most love to practice. And like words like courage come up, and again, gratitude and um, compassion in the world. Um, you know, just whatever, I've got a list of like 400 words, and I use those in classes sometimes. And what you do then is choose those five so that when that inner critic speaks up and says, oh, you're not as good as you think you are, who do you think you are indeed, you can say, well, you know, I've got these qualities that I follow in my life, and I intend to follow them even more. So please sit down, inner critic, because there's value to me. I am worthy of being loved. I choose to love myself for everything that's in there, everything. It's not just loving the part that's lovable but saying that you can love it all because it's all in process. You know, it's part of the mix. We are everything. We're mixed together. We are not just light. There's everything in there. And it all needs to be loved in our imperfection because when we can love ourselves from our imperfection, we can love other people with their imperfections too. And it makes a much happier world. Oh, that's nice. That That is nice. It's it really, really hitting home with some of the, you know, some of the things that we've seen happen over the course of the last few weeks with, you know, the negativity and and yes. if you can learn to love yourself and in the process learn how to love others coming from that inner light, then um, that is simply, simply amazing. Now, I know in um, Streetwise Spirituality, you talk a little bit of um, this um uh, you talk a little bit about uh, everyday enlightenment and um, how this can help, you know, people cut down on their frustration and angers and things of that nature. Can you touch a little bit upon that for us? Well, one of the things, we are all aware that something's going on when we get triggered and we get angry or we get scared, something like that. But we don't know where to go with that. And so, again, I take it back to the practical aspect of spirituality and say, where, what, what is triggering me and why? So if we have a sense, say that, that we have this deep-seated fear that we're not good enough, mm-hmm. that we're not worthy, we're, we're just, we aren't enough, right? And this comes out like you take, you go to the, the supermarket and you give them your credit card and the machine says, sorry, I'm not going to take that. That's, you know, most of us get really upset because it feels <laughs> like it's not just that there's no, no money or whatever because we didn't, we didn't expect that. It feels like everybody is judging us around, oh, she's, she's, she doesn't have any money in the bank and what is she doing buying groceries? Right. It gets very, very painful. And if if we can grab that moment of pain and go back saying, oh, this is where I have felt that I'm not good enough, and therefore anything that happens that tells other people that I'm not good enough, I'm going to be triggered by that. And you take a deep breath, and you say to yourself, you know, a mistake has been made, and it can be taken care of, and this does not reflect on my character at all. 
And if we do this every time that we're triggered, looking back to the deepest fear that's there, and I don't know that we can root out that deepest fear, but we can certainly work with it. We can give ourselves positive messages, which are very, very valuable. Again, messages of love, treating ourselves like our own best friend. So if we're in that supermarket and we have that experience, what does somebody say to themselves who's acting like their best friend? You know, this, this is, it's all right. It's going to be okay. Problems happen. Problems can be solved. And nobody hates me. <laughs> I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person. And I'll take care of it. I like that because we, I know we all can relate to a situation where something like that has happened, you know, at the grocery store, the gas station, wherever, the bank, wherever. And it's not so much the trigger of, oh, my ATM is re- being rejected or whatever the case. It's really about the people that are there witnessing this, and you really do go into, oh, my God, what are they thinking? So you go to a whole different state of how you interpret it internally, and it causes all this, you know, stuff to come up. Um, and I like that tool that you guess you just shared because um, – it really isn't about the people around you. Who cares what they think? It really is about, you know, you being connected with yourself and saying, okay, this is just a moment that I'm going to get through. I'm going to take a deep breath and go forward. Yes, absolutely. You got it. Wow. Uh, how? I mean, that just seems so simple. I hope you listeners out there are, are taking note of this. It just seems so simple. Again, but a lot, you know, simple things are not always easy to do because we have to keep them in the forefront of our mind, um, which is sometimes hard to do because we have a whole bunch of other stuff that's in our mind that's clogging up the the, the airwaves, so to speak. Um, I like, you, you know, you just gave that wonderful insight and tip, but, you know, I want to go back to... Um, you know, when people are feeling impatient and anger. I know this comes up a lot for people, you know, impatience, anger, um, intolerance. How would you, what would you tell someone or how would you guide someone or give them a tool that they could utilize when they, when this, when these emotions or these things rise up within them? Well, first of all, self-awareness is extremely important if you're going to have a really joyous life because the more we know about what's going on inside of us, the, the particular fears, because we don't all share the same fears. They take different forms. So it's, I think of it as like our individual forests, the various trees, and at the roots of those trees are these fears. So we need to find out what they are and then become more familiar with the stories we tell ourselves about those fears. For example, if I have the fear that I'm, I'm not good enough, then I'm going to tell myself, well, I've got to hide, the, hide all of my imperfections. Going back to your perfectionist point there, I have to hide all of those so that nobody will ever know that I'm so imperfect. But then when triggers come along, we will react with either the fight or flight mode so that if somebody challenges us and makes us feel somehow imperfect, we may just blast them or we may just pull in, you know, really withdraw, pull down. So the important thing, the most important tool is to, to know yourself, to make that a study, to go back and figure out when things bother you, figure out, okay, that's, that's a trigger, that is a sign, that is my guidepost. My emotions are trying to tell me something about an area that I need to work on, that I need, need to, to bring some love to, if you want to call it that, because that's what it is. It's, again, the self-compassion thing. When we get triggered outside, it's because we're not being self-compassionate. We're not having that immediate connection. So to use each experience like that when we get upset, to learn from and to transform it, because that's the whole process of life, is transforming the pain through understanding into love and then giving it forth as we walk the planet. Oh, that is beautiful. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm just really at a, a, almost a loss for words. That would not be good if I was at a loss for words right now. But. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's beautiful because um, very well said and, and very easy to understand. And, um, wow. I, wow. Um, and I, I guess you guys out there listening, this 
these are some steps that you can take to turn things around um, for the better to help you decrease the stress um, that you create internally. Sometimes you don't even need to create it. We just do it. Um, and these are things that help you turn around with that and to get you back into that loving space and that loving light and coming from, from your heart. And, and, you know, really, as um, Carol had described, you know, utilizing the processes of your outer mind and your soul mind to, you know, have a fabulous journey while you're here on life. Now, in Carol's book, um, Streetwise Spirituality, 28 Days to Inner Fitness and Everyday Enlightenment, um, I know we've been really focusing on just the mindset and awareness and things that we can utilize to have a better, you know, a better day, a better life. That kind of stuff. But I want to break it down into a little bit about the inner fitness aspect of it. Can you just explain to the listeners what do you mean by inner fitness? Because everybody's into fitness and they think of fitness as complete exercise for the body. But tell us what inner fitness is. Inner fitness is learning to take these things like patience and perseverance and adaptability and making them into a lifelong practice. And we'll be challenged again and again. It's what I call pop quizzes from the soul. <laughs> we think we've learned something and then, whoop, there it is. Oh, dear, I it's like, darn, I thought I passed that test already, but I must, yep. I must need to repeat that lesson. <laughs> it's true. And it will come up again and again until finally, you know, in the beginning it's really upsetting and then it's less upsetting setting and then it's kind of a little hiccup and then it's oh hello there that that's there again but I'm not going to be upset about it because I don't need to I've learned that and that's the whole process but the inner fitness is building those inner muscles and it's only done from day-to-day practice and not just once a day often it's more than once a day and I've had students say oh that sounds like so much work and yeah it is work but it is joyous work because there is nothing else that leads us so surely to our innermost self and to great happiness in life. Happiness is not a pile of French vanilla ice cream as much as I love French vanilla ice cream. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) It's making those connections and seeing the change in our lives because that's, that's where it is. When you see your life changing around you, you know that you have made some important shifts within. And, oh, what a grand feeling that is. Now, and you're you're right. Um, And for those of you listening... The changes, I'm, I'm just gonna take this and say changes in your life are not always going to be like, you know, rockets, red glare, so to speak. Sometimes they're so very subtle, but over a period of time, these little subtle changes you know, you realize have come into this big change that is, you know, you didn't even see happening because they were so subtle and so gradual. Again, going back to like peeling away the layer of the onion, so to speak, it's little subtle things, but over time it becomes a major, major um, enhancement in our life. True. It is a matter of just laying the layers, layer upon layer upon layer. And it's, one of the nice things, as you were saying with your journal or with a spiritual journal, if you make it specific to that, is seeing the the layers as they begin to pile up on one another and the shifts in your own attitudes and your behaviors and your connections with other people. And look around you at the people that you have in your life. They're all there. You have attracted them to you for various reasons. You can learn from them. You can teach them. But you can also see that the quality, as you grow, the quality of the people around you is going to get better, too. You'll notice it. And some people will leave your life or you will leave them because you no longer vibrate at the same frequency and it just doesn't fit anymore. So that's one of the reasons people come into our lives and they go out of our lives. It's kind of like the ocean, in and out. I like that as well um, because I know sometimes people get wrapped up in, you know, the changes with their friends or who they associate with or sometimes they don't understand why, you know, this person was so, quote-unquote, their BFF, and now this person kind of doesn't even return their phone calls or, you know, whatever the case may be. And it's, it's 
I like the analogy that you gave with regards to like the ocean. They come in and they go out. They come in to fulfill a purpose or help you to learn something or grow. And when that time is done, then they go out. doesn't necessarily mean that they're rejecting you. It just means that the time that you spent together has come to an end, so to speak. And they'll always be connected with you because they're your friends or they'll always be connected with you in some aspect. But that direct connect, so to speak, um, that time has passed. And it's, it has to open up so that someone else can come into your life um, that you may attract that has something else for you or you may have for them. So um, I like that. Now, is there an exercise that we can do for this inner fitness? Well, the book itself is laid out. The first half of it lays the foundation for understanding more about Earth School and about the qualities of patience, perseverance, and adaptability. The latter half is 28 days of actual exercises. And you begin with like a meditation and an intention. And there is a, a quotation there from the original uh, person who taught me so many of these, these ideas. And then there's a, a real-life story, generally from my life, because I'm the only person I really understand fully where my motivation was. And it talks about where I stumbled or possibly did something a little bit right, and it has exercises in there for the reader to to look at how she's lived her life in the past, how she's living it now, and what changes she might want to consider for the future. So this is, it's a very, it's an easy way to go just day after day of keeping your mind on it, creating deeper sense of spirituality within your life. And um, with, they say that it takes 21 days to change a habit, so this is 28 days because I put two weeks in there for patience because that's the hardest one yeah. <laughs> for most people. Oh, yeah. But at the end of 28 days, you should be able to see some shifts, some important shifts in your life, and you can always go through it again. Mm. The best advice that I can possibly give, it's not, again, it's not a simple thing. It's not just click and it's over. It's something that you need to focus on, and this helps you to focus. So it is a, It is definitely a process that you need to be able to um, give your time, I mean, give yourself the time to experience this. And I think 28 days is, is a wonderful a wonderful amount of time because you do change yourself in that 20. I should say that 21 days does change the habit or so whatever, so to speak. But then the additional seven days helps to solidify it and sink it down even more. And really, I would think that this would be how you or one, an individual person, would really be able to see, um, quote, unquote, the earth school in action. Is that is that yes. correct? That is absolutely correct. You've got it. That's beautiful. Um, so it, it, it's it's. It's just a, it's just I want to say it's that period in time in your life where you just need to take the time for yourself so that you can be better for yourself so that you can you know exude what you really want to exude to those that you love and care about and that you're um you know you're you're coming in contact with now let me ask you in this um quote unquote uh twenty eight days of being really in earth school, so to speak, um, and in, encompassing the streetwise spirituality lessons, um, what would you say to someone that somewhere within that 28 days it begins to experience some type of fear? Hmm, okay. One of the things that the book emphasizes is meditation. And I've known many people who are interested in spiritual things. They say, oh, meditation, boring. And the wonderful thing about meditation is it's not just a moment to do nothing. It's a moment to feel really close to your soul. And when you feel fear, that is the time to find a spot or a moment to connect with your soul. And you can say, I'm feeling fear about whatever it is. I ask for your help. The soul does come through. I mean, why would we think that we find books that we would never have ever found at the very moment that we need them? 
the soul speaks to us all the time. Through the books, it speaks to us through the voices of our friends, voices of people who don't like us very much, through the newspaper, through billboards. It's constantly talking and constantly an active part of our lives. It is within us. It is behind us. It is supporting us. It is loving us all the time. If we want to know what real love is, look to the soul. We don't have to chase around trying to find somebody else to love us. It's wonderful when they do, but sometimes they stop. The soul never stops loving us. That's the love that we're all here to learn to connect with. Mm, That is so yummy. Um, So any of you guys out there that experience if you pick up Carol's book and you know you go through this 28 days program and you know fear is going to come up it's gonna, it may come up the first day it may come up the 21st day you know you never know but um, I am such a pro advocate of meditation I am a certified meditation specialist and <clears throat> have seen the profound changes that it can really have on a person no matter where they are or what they're dealing with. It's it's a miracle. I mean, it's like this miracle thing, so simple to do. Again, not always easy, but so simple to do and has such subtle, profound benefits um, and enhancements to our psyche, our mind, body, spirit, that um, if this fear comes up for you, I say just meditate. And if you don't know how to meditate, just go find you know, you can go to a bookstore or something like that and get some meditation CDs or just sit quietly for five minutes and just be with yourself and watch what flows through your mind and, and get, you know, pick up the messages from what the soul is trying to deliver to you. Because within the context of that state, um, some very definite questions, answers to your questions will be revealed to you. And that's coming from your soul. Right, Carol? Yes. I always think of praying as being you're speaking to the soul or you're asking for something and it's going outward, whereas meditating is being receptive, being becoming like a lake, smooth and deep. Mm. Wow. Is this like Lake Michigan? No. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's half an ocean. Like this is like Lake Michigan because it's it's smooth, it's very deep, and from my understanding, when you're out in the middle of Lake Michigan, it's like you're in the ocean. You know, it's you can't see land. It's, yes. I, I've been there. I mean, I haven't been on the lake, but I've been to the lake, and I've seen it. It was just profound to see that this massive amount of water is not the ocean because I live on the west coast and so when I go to the coast or when I go to water it's the ocean you know um, yes. um, so it, and you can relate too because I know you live on the west coast too and I do uh, Portland Oregon yes I've been there many times um well, I just want to I just want to summarize I want you to summarize actually Carol what if anything uh, if someone is listening to you know us conversate here about streetwise spirituality, what if anything would you like that individual listener to take away um, that's going to profoundly benefit them? Mm. I think the most important thing is to realize that everything you need is within you, that there is nothing that you are missing. It's all there. It's all rich. It's all the most beautiful life that you can ever have. You can find and create by connecting with that innermost self. And you listen to the ego in order to say to yourself, do you know, is is this what I really want? Is this how I want to continue to live my life? And if the answer is no, that you'd like something better, then spend more time in meditation. Spend more time reading books that will help you. There's a book by David Regal called When the Past is Present. Fabulous, fabulous Mm -hmm. book. And that will help you to look back on those early days and some of the things that have perhaps affected you that you would like to work with. Life is all about growth. There's nothing else we're doing here. We're we're either kind of stagnating or we're growing. And we're all just these, these flowers, these roses coming forth. And we need to give ourselves opportunities to pursue those opportunities that help us to grow. Find friends that will help you to grow. Find books. Find experiences. Just open yourself to the richness and love your life. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Um, hold tight, Carol. I, it's time for me to do 
um, an announcement from our sponsor, and then we will we will let you all know how you can get in touch with Carol, how to get her book, how to you know grab onto her and get some of her streetwise spirituality knowledge. So just bear with me for just a second, and I'm going to um, talk to you about a fabulous sponsor that I have by the name of 21 Drops. Now, 21 Drops is a company that has the same principles and beliefs that I believe in with regards to when I recommend products for my clients. And 21 Drops is an essential oil company, and me being an Ayurvedic health practitioner, I am always recommending essential oils for my clients for various needs. Now, I was in a search for a specific blend of um, um essential oils, and I couldn't find this blend anywhere, came across 21 Drops. And what I liked about 21 Drops is they believe that essential oils are the root of it all, and they believe that essential oils benefit the mind, body, and spirit, which is fabulously in line with what I do as an Ayurvedic health practitioner. Um, They also believe that these Fragrant and highly concentrated molecules that are extracted from various parts of the plant, such as the leaves, the fruit, the wood, the seeds, and the flowers, have this profound connection to us with regards to both our immune systems and our survival mechanisms. And over the course of all these years, plants and man have evolved together here on Earth. And because of this, It is believed that we have the same chemistry. So once these oils that are extracted from these fabulous plants are either inhaled or absorbed by us into our bloodstream, they immediately interact with our body and that creates or that helps us to create balance and wellness. And this, you guys, is the science behind aromatherapy. This is the principle that aromatherapy is based on. And so at 21 Drops, they believe in getting the most holistic, natural, organic grown herbs and plants, which they collect from all over the world to make their special blends of essential oils. And that results in the purest and most effective form of essential oils that can be brought and utilized by the end user, which is the consumer. 21 Drops has this fabulous model that they have 21 special blends that treat everything from headache to heartache. Who would not want to experience these fabulous blends of essential oils that 21 Drops has created. So their philosophy is that by utilization of these incredibly powerful essential oils for not only mind, body, spirit, creating wellness and balance and um, therapeutic enhancements to our well-being, they believe that their creations of the essential oils that they create for their blends empower their friends and their customers to feel better and be better. And so with that, I would say if you're looking for that special essential oil or maybe an essential oil blend or just are curious about aromatherapy, I suggest checking out 21 Drops. Again, that is the number two, the number one, the word drops.com. 21drops.com is your source for the most holistic, organic, and natural essential oils that you can utilize to create health, well-being for your mind, body, and spirit. Now, back to Carol. Carol, so thank you for for being a fabulous guest on Blissful Living. I want you to tell the listeners how they can get more of you, specifically, first of all, how they can get a copy of Streetwise Spirituality. Well, they can get a copy, of course, at Amazon, like all the books at Amazon. (laughs) They can also look at my website, which is www.streetwisespirituality.org. And if they would like to ask a question, they can address it to C, M as in Mary, K, that's C-M-K, Carol Marty Klein, at streetwisespirituality.org. And I'll be happy to, to talk with them. 
Perfect. So, you guys, there you have it. You have the queen of streetwise spirituality here with the queen of feeling fabulous. And between the two of us, you're going to go forth and just have a streetwise fabulously spirituality day. And hopefully you will pick up Carol's book or check out her website or just get in contact with her if you have more specific questions. She's very caring, as you can tell. She's coming from her heart because that's what she does. And she has a lot to share to make the world a better place, starting with you. So if this is resonating with you, if what we've been discussing is resonating with you, then please, please, please make that step forward. Connect with Carol, and I guarantee that you will not be disappointed. And Carol, again, I want to thank you for being a fabulous guest here. Of course, you know, I use the word fabulous a lot because I'm the queen of feeling fabulous, but I thank you for being a fabulous guest on this show today. I've learned so much about streetwise spirituality um, that I didn't even know I knew. It was it just really resonated with me. And I hope you enjoyed being here. Very much. It's been an absolute joy to be with you and your listeners, Rochelle. Thank you. And so you guys out there listening, um, you know, I always like to bring it home to you. And so as I promised, the other new thing that I was going to incorporate is that um, my guest for next week's show is Early L. Jackson, Jr., and we will be discussing next level living, how you can up-level your living stress-free and blissfully. And with that, I'm going to say please tune in for next week's show. If you missed any part of this show, you can go to the site and definitely check it out. I don't want you to miss anything. And with that, I'm going to close the show by saying I'm wishing you peace to your mind, wellness to your body, and tranquility to your spirit. Have a fabulous week, you guys. Take good care. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, or at healthhealingwellness.com. Or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And, of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.